I am envious of this man who we're talking to today. He has set up a life for himself that is something like Dan Belzerian. He's a married man now, and it is really incredible to see his journey from living a life of absolute, like something you'd see in a movie. And when I first heard about this guy, Robbie, I was like, I was I'm like, this can't be real. This is just bullshit. No way. But then we've had mutual clients that we've worked with together. He's been on the podcast before, such of a man of integrity and character. And I just love how he shows up and what he does. And like, I'm just really, really grateful to have you here again, man, to be able to break down the knowledge that you have and the wisdom from so many years of like dating, women, attraction, social circles. And we're going to get all into that. There's a difference between hunting and farming, which Robbie really talks about and he has a company called Inner Confidence. And it's just such a pleasure to have you here, brother. So thank you so much for jumping back on. And I'm sure so many people are going to get a lot out of today. Thanks, Andrew. It's great to be back. And uh, I always love talking to you. You're you're one of my favorite guys, you know, in this whole sort of dating confidence space, whatever you want to call it. So I love uh, reconnecting with you and ha- I'm excited for our conversation. Yeah, like this got sparked off initially when I remember like I had this guy work with me. Let's call him Kay for now. We know who we're talking about. Kay started working with us. He started working with me. I'm like, you got to go talk to Robbie because he had all these women in his life and he was like, what do I do now? And I know you're the master, like, cool, you've got women in your life, but how can you like create like this social circle of just like lots and lots of women where you're like bringing women into your life and you're just a cool guy and creating this atmosphere? Because I see there's like two aspects which you helped me um, really discover where it's like this hunting of like, cool, going out there meeting women and guys sometimes need to develop that skill of meeting women, which I completely agree. It could be online dating. It could be through nightclubs. It could be during the day, whatever it may be. And then you're like, cool, this is more an advanced podcast for guys listening now. Like, you've, you're pretty good at getting women to your life, but how can you like now farm and like make that grow and have these crazy wild adventures? I just love like your experiences, man, of like having adventures on boats with women, like having constantly women around you and then cultivating really cool guys and really great gentlemen in your life who they are just there with you to have these experiences as well. And you're like, hey, we're all in this together. It's not like let's compete, but it's more like let's collaborate and have an experience where everyone wins. Totally. Yeah. Well, you know, for me, um, when I first kind of got into this stuff, I was, you know, this is way back in 2006. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I was just a total dork. I had just finished college. It's like a golf dork, played some poker to make some money on the side, got a shitty job in like finance um, that I hated. Uh, I remember I was like dating this girl and, you know, at, at a certain point she stopped wanting to sleep with me. And then I was like, oh, that's probably bad. And then like she dumped me on Valentine's Day. Yeah. Um, and and I remember feeling like actually a little bit good about that because like, oh, good. I don't have to dump her because I also felt like I was settling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, and then a friend of mine like gave me the book, The Game, which a lot of guys I'm sure have read. Yeah. So I picked that up and I was an idiot. So I was like, I don't really like what I'm reading here. It seems like very tactical and, and kind of weird and, and just odd, but I tried it anyways. And I fumbled around with game stuff for probably like four years. Um, and I, I feel like I got, actually got worse. Yeah. Like creeping girls out, you know, trying all these different methods and techniques and 
and um, you know, tried all the inner game stuff, tried like meditation and and yeah. NLP and all the like what about theta the me- healing. Meditate your way to to the success with women, <laughs> of course, right? Um, even like guys like tapping on their face, trying to deal with like approach anxiety, and I swear, like I remember I was attending this pickup seminar up in San Francisco. And I was dating this girl at the time who, you know, like, I felt like she was, you know, she was a stripper and I was like excited to, that I was able to finally like get a stripper. And I thought like the game stuff kind of worked. And then she told me over the phone, she was like, Hey, I have some bad news for you. Uh, I mean, she didn't frame it like that, but basically she told me she cheated on me and it was with a dude who was like a friend of a friend she told me that she like had sex with him without a condom in the butt, which she wouldn't let me do. Um, and I like, I had like this physical reaction where like I, it was, was, I had like, um, it was, I, I I've never had like a true panic attack, but this is kind of what, like the closest thing I could describe. I was flying back from San Francisco to San Diego that night. And on the plane, I had this migraine headache, which I never had, before and never had to this day, just like this insane headache. And all I could think about was I need to get back to my girlfriend. I need to like somehow make sense of this situation. So I like got off the plane, you know, took a, took a whatever cab to my car, drove up to Oceanside where she lived, which was like 45 minutes away. And, you know, she was like, you know, ex- expecting me to be like all mad, but actually like I had this weird Thing where I like I was kind of I was obviously upset, but I like wanted to know everything in like painstakingly brutal detail. Like, how did he fuck you? How did this happen? How did that happen? And I made her give me like the, the like everything. Oh, um, mate! <laughs> I don't know why I wanted to do that. It, it was like I was torturing myself with this information. Like, and, and then you know, was, we, it, was it bigger than me? Did, did it feel better? <laughs> And all the answers I didn't want to hear, of course, um, you know, it drove me crazy that like she let this guy do like a bunch of things to her that she wouldn't let me do to her. Um, and then like I forgave her and we, you know, we made up and and then two weeks later she dumped me and I was just like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. what is wrong with me? You know, I'm like, I've been working on this shit forever. I've been studying from all these guys. I've read all the books. I've been all the seminars and I've. I suck. Like there's gotta be something wrong with me. There's like an invisible sign on my back that tells like women, like, you know, this guy is cheat on me. I'm a dork. (laughs) Yeah. Even though I'd learned like, you know, I, I, like it was, it was ridiculous. Um, and, and then kind of like a, a whirlwind of shit happened. I lost my job in finance. Um, it was 2008, the markets collapsed. Um, and I was like, you know, in my late twenties at the time, single and just like, what the fuck do I do now? Do I like go back and get a shitty job in finance? Do I like try to play, you know, professional poker, which I kind of dabbled in during the poker craze. But luckily a buddy of mine was living up in LA. Um, He invited me to like come stay with him. And this guy, I I didn't really know super well, but like we, we met through poker Mm -hmm. and this guy was like a beast with girls. This guy was way better than any of the dating coaches, any of the pickup artists I'd ever met. Um, he was rich cause he was a poker player, but he was like an alpha male force of nature. I had never met a guy like this before. He like didn't give a fuck. He would say the craziest shit to girls. Like one of his opening lines was talking, he basically like walk up and, and tell them that like, 
hey, what would you do if I like, you know, grabbed you by your hair and put you up against the wall and like, you know, X, Y, Z, like this graphic, like aggressive stuff. But they would like joke back, oh, I would kick you in the balls. And you'd be like, how would, how could you kick me in the balls if you were like, <laughs> you know, if, if you were gasping for air? And then it was just like, you know, and I was like, wow, this is like all the stuff that the pickup guys talk about, but no one actually does. And I've, I haven't really seen. And this guy yeah. knew none of the tactics. He was just like, like I said, a total natural. Yeah. So I realized, I was like, all right, if I can just kind of hang out with this guy, this is really like the sort of, he's kind of like the abusive father I never had. And and luckily- It sounds fucked up, I but had, I, I, right? I hear what you're saying there. But, uh, but what I'm hearing just like, to give some guys some context, because this sounds a little bit out of context at the moment. It sounds <laughs> like you have, a, just please correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you had like a lot of nice guy tendencies. You had like all the techniques down, but then this guy was like kind of redirecting the focus and kind of swinging the pendulum of like, hey, let's cultivate a little bit more masculine principles and here's how to actually be dominant in the bedroom. And then like you're swinging back into that direction, correct? Because I always talk exactly. about how can you be that nice guy with boundaries? And he was like more like, here's how you can set some boundaries with women and not get, not get walked over. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I was a raging nice guy. And so I, I learned through him, you know, how to how to set boundaries and basically like I emulated him of of not being a nice guy because he had 0.0 nice guy tendencies and all the other guys I kind of befriended were kind of like me other other nice guys um and you know he was he was kind of like a ruthless drill sergeant as well because I was overweight uh he teased me about being fat he teased me about dressing like shit um and he had zero approach anxiety either like he was just like there's a hot girl why wouldn't you go talk to her like what's gonna happen you're going to feel bad for five minutes and then what you're going to forget about it. She's going to forget about it. Like get over it. Fucking loser. Right. (laughs) So he was like, he was like, give me all the money in your wallet. So I'm like, okay, here's a couple hundred bucks. He's like, if you don't talk to that girl, I'm keeping the money. I'm like, shit. All right. But you know what? Sometimes you need that tough love because I want to go into this as well and see your journey. Like, cause where do men go to, to learn about dating. And I'm glad that we're having this conversation. You can obviously talk to Robbie because there's like so much bullshit out there of like all like pick up and like just game advice, which is completely fundamentally wrong. And there's a lot of sociopathic men who are actually running a lot of these companies. Hence, I want Robbie on where I want you to learn about women, connect with women and go out there and have the skills to date. And I want you to continue your story, but it is so important for men to cultivate this. And I'm glad this man just said to you, like you're fat, yeah, your style shit, because sometimes coaches or someone you're hiring, they're, they're too nice to tell you actually what's up. And like, I know for a fact, when you're with your guys, like, hang on a second, this is shit, this needs to go down. But you're saying it from a place of love, because I care about you, because this is what actually the woman's thinking. Totally. Yeah, I had no one, you know, my my dad's like a super awesome, really nice guy too, right? But like very supportive doctor, right? He's He, he was just like, Robbie, whatever you do, I love you. You're perfect, right? And, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I needed like a guy like this to be like, listen, bro, this is the truth. You you want to fuck these hotter girls? You want to like connect with these cool people? Like stop dressing like a, like a loser, like lose some weight. Don't Don't be like, basically the stuff I really needed to hear, but no one you know, we live in such a fluffy society, even, even now it's way worse, but like he was, he was the one willing to say that. And, um, and that was such a breath of fresh air. Um, so I, I really like ran with that, you know, and we, we actually started the company together. Um, and it was, it was cool because I could essentially like 
break down everything he was doing because I had my background and, and all this stuff and and kind of like reverse engineer it into a way that I could teach myself and other guys. So he was an amazing mentor for me and we worked together for a long time. Uh, and it was actually, you know, through him that I, I, I kind of reached a point where I was like, okay, if I, if I continue hanging out with this guy, I'm going to keep getting kind of like his scraps because, and, and I'll talk about like social circles in a second, but like yeah. whenever you're in like a, a hierarchy system, right? When like, when, when you're with a bunch of other men, there's women can tell very easily, like who's that, who has status, who's at the top of the pecking order and who's not. Yeah. Um, and when I was hanging out with this guy and his, and his other friends who were like promoters and guys of like a ton of value, I always got passed over by, by the hottest girls. It was good because I had like access to those girls. Mm. Uh, Cause you know, they were, he had hookups at the nightclubs and different parties and very exclusive events, but I just didn't have a lot of confidence in those environments yet. And I didn't have any status yet. So now I was like surrounded by hot girls. I could at least, you know, I got over the approach anxiety and I was like able to kind of, you know, meet a lot of women and, and date, but I still had that problem that a lot of guys probably, you know, still have, which is I can't get the hotter girls. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, I'm okay with the girls that I'm not that intimidated by. The you know, I hate to label women, but just for the sake of the conversation, it's like I can get the sixes or the sevens, but the eights, the nines, and the tens, they elude me. Right. Yeah, it's like um, it's like kind of like guys like settling, like go, I can get I can get women like, okay, it feels it's not really my type, but like I want the women that go, oh, it gets me going, but not just physically as well, physically important AF, but then also mentally, emotionally, and if you believe in it, the spiritual connection as well that you have with these women, it's like this is the depth and breadth. Like, how can I have the hottest women, but then also across the board who she is as a person? Totally, and that and that was another problem is the the social circles I was hanging out in were were very kind of like vapid. Um, you know, I was I was in LA. We would go yeah. to the clubs all the time. I can imagine. Right? <laughs> LA attracts like LA attracts the hottest girls from around the world. Yeah, but like the typically the most narcissistic ones as well who want to be famous, right? Mm. Um, so it's like a breeding ground of the hottest girls, but also a lot of the most toxic ones. And if you're not insanely, insanely like high status in LA, right? You're, you're competing against like old bunny. You're competing against guys who are like, you know, actors, A-list celebrities, those sorts of things. You're competing against like Dan Blazarian over here, you know? And that, that's the crazy and, part as well. Like when guys like neglect going, it is a status thing. And I like what you said, like you got the confidence, but then it is a status. And if you're in that, and I'd love you to talk about that in a second. Like when you're in that social circle, how can you stand out in the group, but not be a dick to your other, other men there? Well, the interesting thing for me is like when I first got access to some of these circles, um, you know, through, we befriended promoters and, um, you know, we also had like, you know, clients that we were working with. So we would buy bottles at their table. And eventually we became like close enough friends where they would just kind of be like, yo man, we got a table at one Oak or we got a table at Hyde. Just, just come roll through. Like if, if, you, if some of your boys want to like throw in some money for bottles, cool. So we were, you know, we, we were, we kind of bought our way in. Also yeah. he had a lot of connections. Um, so, but what I was doing, which, which I didn't, it took me a really long time to, to actually succeed in those environments. Like I, I could get girls from day game. I can get girls from the bars or whatever, but in these high status nightclub situations where you roll up to a table and it's a promoter, a sub promoter and eight hot chicks, right? It's like, well, what do I do now? 
And so what I what I first did was I, I tried talking to all of them just like I would. I tried flirting with them, running game on them, like doing all the usual things. And none of them wanted anything to do with that. Yeah. It was just like, first of all, it's really hard to talk in nightclubs anyways. It's so fucking loud, right? Yeah. And, you know, I, I would watch and I'd be like, all right, I just tried to talk to like six girls. None of them really seemed like they want to talk to me. Uh, okay. And at yeah. the end of the night, it's like we'd, we'd then we'd go to an after party and then maybe an after after party. And like the girls would be showing love to the promoters all the time. Uh, and to like the other sort of celebrities or whoever's there. But like, I felt like I had no shot with any of those girls, even so, though I was like in the environment. So this is the thing, just like back it up for a second, just so I'm on the same page. You, you were kind of doing the same thing you were doing on hunting, like just meeting a woman solo as you were trying to do in a social environment, but it's a completely different setup. Is totally different setup. Exactly. Okay. Because the ratio is in your favor. Like that's that's kind of the difference. Like when you get invited to an exclusive event, they really control the guest list. And yeah. what you're going to see is a very high ratio of women to men. Typically two to one, three to one. If you go to one of Dan Blazarian's parties, 10 to one. Did right? you ever go to one of Dan's parties? Uh, I was invited. I I had moved to Ukraine wow. by that time, so I didn't go. But um, all, all my friends, all the guys I know in LA, like they were like promoters who would like fill his parties and go. So... So yeah. they, they would fill his party, you're saying, so like they would like bring women and that's how they get invited or they know a lot of women and like, hey, that's the currency essentially, correct? Exactly. Yeah. If, if you had a Rolodex of, of hot women, um, you could get invited. You there know? you go. And, <laughs> you know, like, like if you read Dan's book, that's how he filled his parties. You know, he just basically befriended or, you know, he paid promoters. Uh, interesting in his book, he said, I paid, a pro- I paid the promoter like a thousand bucks every time I had sex with a hot girl he introduced me to, but it couldn't be like a, a you know, escort setup. Yeah. <laughs> it had to be like a natural sort of. That's crazy. Segue. Is that, that the, the book's pretty thick. Is that the one you're talking about? The hardcover? Like my buddy has yeah. that one. So you said it's worth a read. Yeah. It's really interesting. Just how he sets everything up. Uh, I read it after like I had kind of figured out the same stuff and yeah. it was very validating because we essentially did almost the identical thing. He just did it in LA while I did it in Ukraine. But that was actually one of the reasons why I left LA um, was I, I just like after a while. So I, I was I was in these these environments and what I realized. So it's actually an interesting story how I realized this. Um, me and the same guy I mentioned, my buddy, uh, who was like my mentor and one of the promoters, we took this trip to Europe and the promoter had tons of like connections with the European models. He was very plugged in. So the idea was to like go to Paris, go to Milan and help him set up model houses. So mm-hmm. the way that this is kind of interesting, the way that model houses work is promoters need to gr- bring girls to nightclubs, right? Like that's how they get paid. They 50 bucks, 100 bucks per head. But yeah. getting the girls to actually show up is like herding cats. So yeah. back this is like back so, in like so 2000. They'd get, so they'd get paid per woman to bring to the club, correct? Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. the club would give them, you know, like a table where the like a very good real estate, like next to the DJ booth or right when you enter. That's why whenever you walk into like a club, LA or Vegas, like the first table you see, it's always a promoter table. And you're like, Whoa, there's so many chicks here, but it's like, you have no access to those girls. It's like, (laughs) they're there with a promoter. You can't get at that table. It just looks good. Right. (laughs) The two tables on the other side of the DJ also promoter tables, hot girls. So like the typical dude walks in like, this place is awesome. Let me buy a bottle. Let me spend all my money. And it's like, it's bullshit. It's all smoke and mirrors, right? Because at the bar, there's no girls there, right? Hey, by the it's way, like, Robbie, just on that note, like 
I'm Australian, so I've never really indulged in the American culture of that, like the bottle service and scenes. And I've only been to America once to Austin. So this is completely new to me. So fucking just cool to hear this story, man, from my perspective as well, man. Yeah, man, it's crazy. Like when you're in the big markets, so the big markets are LA, Miami, New York, London, Paris, Milan, probably Dubai, um, a little bit like a little, they have it a little bit in Hong Kong. Um, Berlin's a whole different scene because it's more like underground electronic and totally different animal, but it's like the Western cities. This is kind of how like the, obviously Vegas, right? This is kind of how like the pinnacle of nightlife works, but Vegas is its own animal because it's, it's Vegas. Um, But, (laughs) (laughs) but this is like all the hot girls who want to be models and want to be actresses and stuff. They flock to those cities, right? They, they go to the big markets. So this is kind of like the very apex of, you know, night game, social scenes, those sorts of things. Um, and obviously this, you know, things, things change like the weather when it comes to this stuff, like this was, this was in like 2013 through 2017. Um, and I can talk about some of the shifts I've seen since then, but, but yeah, that was kind of the, the, the game at the time, right? Like you could either, that's where most hot. So anyways, these, these promoters, um, they had the problem of getting hot girls to the club because yeah. hot girls are flaky, right? Yeah. So one of, I don't know if it was this guy or another guy, but they started opening these model houses. Wait, is this and in Europe? Is that when you went to the trip to Europe, correct? This is right before. Okay, yep. Yeah, okay, maybe I should go to the trip. Okay, well, let, let me back up to, to the, the model house thing. Yeah. So th- this, is, this is the setup to the trip to Europe. But yeah. essentially what happened was they needed, to get a, they needed to get the girls to the club, so they started these model houses. So in exchange for free housing, the girls would could could uh, live in the model house, but they'd have to come to the clubs four nights per week, wow. right? And they called them model houses because those other models are hot girls that were like trying to make it as models, and it was a good deal for them because they got free housing. They also got to party if they wanted to do that. Um, the turnover rate was incredibly high because once they started partying, they usually like stopped showing up to their castings, and you know you could guess it. It was just like a revolving door of new girls. And it was really easy to get them from the model house to the club because you just, you know, get an Uber and you shuttle them there. So how, how did you meet all those women initially? It's like setting up those modeling houses where they do like the modeling contracts. So the promoters, go- the promoters were setting up these houses, but the way we kind of networked with them, which was, you know, a, a fantastic idea by my buddy is so we had a huge house that we would run seminars in, you know, we'd have the guys come in they'd yeah. stay with us sometimes for like a month. It was like a six bedroom house. And when we didn't use it as that, we'd rent it on Airbnb, right? Uh, okay. And we were making pretty good money from Airbnb. And so when we met these promoters, their promoters always broke. That's, that's, you know, they're good at, they're good at meeting women and they're good at like that, but it's like the, the, they're losing money. Like the, the whole business model of a promoter, it's, it's a very lifestyle driven business. They never actually make money, but they have fun, right? They yeah, have yeah. the access of a billionaire, but they, they're broke and they get yeah. to do things. They get to live that lifestyle, but they're broke. So we said, listen, we'll, we'll, rent a house for you and we'll, t- we'll allow you to use it as a model house. Cause mm. these guys also had like no credit and no ability to like even rent a place. So we're, we're like, you pay us rent. Um, but we like, you know, we'll Airbnb it as well. And you know, that way we can, we can make some money on the side, you know, when you guys go to New York or Miami for the season. And so we, in exchange for that, we would get access to the nightclubs. We could show up to any, to any time they were out at a club, we could show up to the table, me and him, 
and maybe one or two other guys if, if they paid and have like the same access as they did. Well, so, so then you have the highest social. So you're basically paying for the highest social status in the club, correct? Totally. And we didn't have to pay oh, for alcohol. Man, that's freaking smart. This is like a whole yeah, new yeah. world. As I said, this is like, this is great. I said to Robbie <laughs> before this, I'm like, I just want to ask questions that I want answers to and just like really figure this out. And basically I ran sex parties, but there's similar essence, but there's a lot of differences, man, from like, yeah, what you're doing. But yeah, so you did, you did that. You got the place, you got the most status in the club. So then when, when women walked in, people walked in, that's number one key, isn't it? You've got social currency, which is really hot, attractive women. And then you've also got the, like, you're in the best booth in the whole place. So automatically it's like, it's exactly, exactly. Yeah. Half the, like, half the job's done in a way. <laughs> totally. And, and it was, it was really, it, it was cool because that like, obviously that, that took my, my, my options to a, an, another level. And I was definitely like hooking up with with you know, higher quality girls and that sort of thing. But still I was, and, and this is where the, the European story comes in. I was still kind of striking out with most of the girls when I got in those environments. Cause like I said, I was trying to game them and the opposite is, is what actually works. Like when you're in those environments, like you're going to meet the girls ahead of time at the pre-party, then you're going to go to the club, then you're going to go to the after party. And the guys who were crushing, I, I looked at the promoters and I'm like, what are they doing? They're not really flirting with the girls. They're not even really talking to them. Sometimes they throw ice at them or they flirt with them a little bit, but may, mainly they ignore them and they just talk to their boys. And then the girls get drunk and then they go to the after party and then the girls just start like pawing at whoever guy has the most status. And the ratios yeah. hugely, you know, in men's favor. So at the end of the night, it's like almost everyone has, has a choice yeah. unless you were the idiot who was trying to hit on them the whole time like I was. Unless you were the uh, thirsty yeah, yeah. loser, right? <laughs> <laughs> Who was over investing. Um, and uh, never did I see that more. So I went on this trip to Europe. And like I said, the idea was to get more model houses. I think that's how I <laughs> went down that that long rabbit hole. Wait, so, um, so for more model houses in Europe or to set it back up in America to bring. So they Europe wanted to expand to Paris and Milan, okay. these promoters. Yep. And so we're like, yeah, let's take a fun trip. The, the promoter was like, I'll grab girls from all over Europe, fly them in. And we'll just do like a two week party trip. And we're like, fuck yeah, that sounds awesome. It was like during the summer and you know, it, it was just a, a fun thing we we're going to do. We kind of like picked the girls beforehand. Even we had like a, you know, a roster that we were going to, and the, the, what happened was I showed up two days late because I was actually like, you know, running a, a seminar or something or giving a, a talk, I think. Um, and when I got there, we had this super dope, like Airbnb in the middle of Paris, like, you know, close to Champs-Élysées. But all the bedrooms were taken. Like my buddy and the promoter each took a bedroom. The girls took like two different bedrooms and I couldn't just like kick them all out. So I was like the loser with no bedroom. So that was the first problem. The second problem was I wanted to like play catch up. So I got too drunk the first night and I ended up like trying to hook up with like the ugliest girl who then like totally dissed me because I couldn't get it up. I was too whiskey dicked. And then mm. she told like all the other girls what a loser I was. So yeah. I was just like, for the first five days of the trip, I didn't really know that that had happened. I didn't know she told all the, all the other girls, oh, but later damn. it came out. Cause, so I had no status because I had no bedroom. I, I, I was, I was the, you know, the thirsty idiot again. And it was just like, what the fuck? So luckily it was like a revolving you know, door of girls, like we said. So like some left, another one came, this other girl came who I was like, okay, cool. New girl, I have a fresh shot with her. Um, and so her and I, like, 
I thought we were hitting it off. We'd be like walking arm in arm during the day, during the city. Like she yeah. wouldn't really hold my hand, but she'd like interlace her like elbows, yeah. if that makes sense, right? <laughs> and then like the first night she was like, hey, will you come like cuddle with me? So I'm like, oh, I guess I'm in, right? So we're like cuddling. I tried to escalate, not getting anywhere, not couldn't even kiss her. Um, and, you know, the, I was still kind of cock blocked with all the other girls because of the, you know, bullshit I tried earlier. Yeah. So for the next week, I'm just like waiting every night, like maybe she'll be ready. Maybe she'll be ready. Maybe she'll be ready. And if the trip comes, she's not. And I assume it was like, oh, maybe, you know, I, I don't know why she's not interested. Maybe she's just like, she's interested, but she's slow. Yeah. So, so I, I invite her to come to LA like two months later, she shows up three days in still the same bullshit cuddling. And then I, I got an invite from another promoter. He's like, come, come out to the bar, bring that girl. And I'm like, this, this is bullshit. Cause I know this guy, this guy was like a total shark. Yeah. This guy hooked up with every girl he could, like he'd steal girls from everybody. I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'm not, I'm not going. You're just going to try to like steal this girl from me. He's like, dude, no, I'm coming. I'm like, I'm, I'm coming with my girlfriend. We're like monogamous now. Like just come <laughs> out. Like I, so against my better judgment, I go out and I'm like, there's no way this girl's going to like hook up with this guy because like, she's such a good girl. Right. Um, so wait, you were still to, you were still kind of in the phase of like figuring all this out. Yeah, this is all the figuring totally. out phase, and you're like, and you're just getting absolutely slammed consistently with like rejection after rejection, or like, and, oh man, this is this is brutal. Yeah. Dude, so th this is probably the th this was like the worst part. So I, I go to the bathroom, I come out, he's making out with my girl and his girl. <laughs> Literally within like, I'm gone for maybe 30 oh, seconds. God. They're making out and my like jaw hit the ground. I'm like, that girl, there's no fucking way. She was like such a perfect angel. And I reverted back to like all my nice guy ways. They went, they went home. They had a threesome. I was just like, what the fuck? Like what, what's again, like what the fuck is wrong with me? How could, Ooh, how, man. dude. And so, and, and it was then that I realized that like, I just, I didn't quite have the status of like, the, the problem was I was just kind of like pigeonholed with that group of guys. Like I had yeah. the lowest status of all the guys, any girl who came into that, that scene quickly kind of figured that out. Cause it's like these social hierarchies. And yeah. so I could kind of pick off like the bottom girls, but like, I wasn't getting access. I wasn't succeeding with the hottest girls. That's when I realized like, all right, I gotta, I gotta kind of start my own thing. Yeah. And, and I gotta like get out of this, I got to kill this nice guy shit once and for all. I got to stop like simping when it comes to these really hot girls. And so I, I basically like this, that was like summer of 2018. Um, I love Europe, have family from Ukraine. Um, so I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to Eastern Europe and try to just like hang out there all summer, see what happens. Uh, I'll come back, whatever. It's kind of just like, I, I needed to like remove myself from, from that whole situation. Cause I would just, I just felt like shit. I didn't know what was wrong. But <laughs> so, for anyone listening to this, it's like, I know Robbie's story and how far he's come. Like it's, it's incredible, but it's just what a blessing it is to have those experiences where a lot of men like, oh man, it sucks that this woman left me or cheated on me. Or I'm like, the reason that I'm in the position I'm in today and same with you from just what you're saying now from all the other conversations that we've had, it's because it's tried and tested and so much failure and so much banging our head against the freaking wall. And that's when I know when I've lined you up with 
clients of mine who are really great with women and I know they've got the capabilities of being great in bed and I send them your way. It's kind of like you just put rocket fuel under their ass and going, cool, let's make this happen because you know they've already got the foundations laid. And exactly. Beautiful. And it's just like, <clears throat> so if you're listening to this and you're going, oh man, I could never have these experiences. Like, yeah, but Robbie dedicated his life to doing this as well. Like continuously. I've been doing this shit for a decade and he's been doing this since 2006. Man, we're in 2023 if you're listening to this now. Like, this is a long time. It's a long journey. And that's why I'm a huge advocate. I'm like, this is why this man can cut down the process. And I can't wait to hear about the fruits of all the hard labor that you went through. <laughs> yeah, man, dude, it was it like, it, for me, it was such a like rewarding journey. It was so painful, but it was like, it was it was really just like my I don't know my mission or my passion what it was just my addiction my my obsession yeah. I don't know what you want to call it but like figuring yeah. out how attraction works and how these social dynamics play out um, it was just like the most fascinating you know game I could play like in life you can you can play whatever game you want right yeah. you, you can you can play video games if you want and like build this whole character which then you realize, fuck, I just spent years like building this character and buying all this shit online and like I have nothing to show for it because I beat the game, right? Like, or you can like build yourself into that character. Build your own and, character, huh? <laughs> yeah, right? And, and so, you know, that's, that's basically what I, that's what I did, right? But um, it was it, so many painful points along the way, but um, so you went yeah, to happy to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, you, so you went to Europe for the uh... You're saying I went to, you went to I went to Europe summer. for the summer, right? Yep. And I really didn't have much of a plan. Um, like when I got there, I spent some time in Greece, um, spent some time in Budapest. Um, you know, like spoke at some different you know conventions that were running that that were going there. I kind of like it was kind of like a work trip. You know, I had some clients meet me and you know took them gaming in Greece and then Budapest and then I had never been to Ukraine. Everyone told me like, don't go to Ukraine; it's scary. There's a war there, but the mm. women are the hottest in the world. And by and the way, this was this is well before the war that just recently happened. This is in twenty, yeah. This was like 20, 2018. So yeah. like the war, you know, officially the war started in like twenty fourteen when yeah. when Russia invaded and took Crimea, but they kind of just took it and there, you know, there there was always some fighting in the Donbass region, but like it was contained, right? Yeah. This was well before the full scale invasion. So at that time. I was like, yeah, people say there's a war there, but that's only like in that isolated part in the Dunbass region. And when I went there, I went to Odessa. I had a bunch of like friends who were, you know, Ukrainian American. They're like, dude, Ukraine's amazing. It's like, when I got there, I was like, holy shit, this place is ridiculous. It was like, you know, you break your neck walking down the street because you're like, there's a 10, there's a 10, there's a 10. It's just, it's crazy, right? Like, so, <laughs> and not to mention everything is extremely affordable if you're making US dollars or euros or whatever. Like yeah. it's, you know, probably 30 to 40% of what you would pay. I'd love to um, know just, just on that note alone, because you said that women are extremely attractive. What What is the difference just, just on a short point of view? Like what's the difference between women in America and Ukraine or just European culture that you've seen? Because I know you've had a diverse, diverse appetite for both women and have a great understanding of both different continents. Yeah, it's not necessarily that Ukrainians are like more beautiful or they have better bone structure or anything like that. Maybe a little bit, but mainly they take care of themselves and they're not fat. Like... <laughs> <laughs> <There you go. laughs> you know, he said, no, no holding back with Robbie. 
I mean, any country that's been really like inflicted by feminism, right? And just like the the woke culture, it's like it's okay to be fat, big is beautiful, like, and you know, fast foods everywhere. So it's just really hard to like. I mean, I was fat. I I was you know sixty pounds overweight at one point when I was working in an office. Um, and it's just like I didn't. I wasn't really doing anything that I felt like was incredibly unhealthy. It's just you get fat when you, you live in like. Say it's more culturally, it's more culturally acceptable in America to be fat, correct? Totally. You know, it's like every. It's so rare to to like. It's like when you just walk around, like most people are like close to like close to obese, right? Yeah. And obese, obese isn't that fat. Like I was actually obese when I was like 40, 50 pounds overweight. I was, you know, clinically obese. Right. But like someone to look at me, hey, it's chubby. Right. But morbidly obese is kind of like almost the norm. Like if you go to like, you know, bumfuck Tennessee or like, you know, Kentucky or a lot of these places in the South, like it's, it's shocking how like morbidly yeah. obese a lot of people are. I mean, it's a huge crisis, you know, but like that's the thing in, in Eastern Europe, um, in, in Europe in general, people are more fit because they're walking more. Right. In, mm-hmm. in the US, you're taking cars everywhere with the exception of New York. But it's yeah. like, you know, you're always in your car, fast food, cheap food, like they're putting all sorts of stuff in the food to make it last longer, sugar, salt. So it's just yeah. like, it's really hard to, to stay in shape when you're, you know, when you're just basically bombarded with all of those things that are going to make you fat. Whereas yeah. in, in Ukraine, it's like they've got McDonald's, but McDonald's is like really fancy, actually. And they don't have a whole lot of other shitty food. You know, they don't, they're not pumping the the food full of, of nonsense and bullshit. Um, you're walking all the time. And the other thing is in like, in, in a lot of Eastern European countries, like the, they're very sort of blue collar. Um, so the guys tend to work like outside of the city center, you know, they work in the factories or, you know, they're, they're not like the, in the city center, you have this, this collection of like women working in the service industry. So the nightclubs, the bars, the restaurants. So it attracts like the hot girls that are like from the, from the village. Whereas the, the good looking guys, cause there's good looking guys, of course there too, but they kind of stay in the village. Um, so when you go to like Odessa or Kiev or Warsaw or a lot of these places, um, you know, in Eastern Europe, you just have a really high concentration of women to men. Again, it's the ratio thing, right? So, and any, the, the, the thing that I learned, if if you can go to a place where the ratio is in your favor, you're going to succeed. If you're going yeah. to a place where it's not, you're probably going to fail. Like <laughs> as good it. as you can get a game and all the stuff, it's like good ratio, high five, bad ratio. <laughs> you know. And I, I really love what you've done. You've kind of done this. It's it was hard for you to learn all this, but then you basically did this in a smart way of setting it up on easy mode. What's really stood out about what this chat you've said today is like I didn't know that Dan Belzerin actually paid. Women like, hey, if I slept with one of the women you bring, I'll give you a thousand bucks or whatever it is. It's like there's so much under like I just haven't read the book. And that's just fascinating of like, oh, he just must have women just there. But it's like when guys have this and when I was running sex parties and when you were doing this, I know there's so much strategy behind this and there's so much planning and thinking out every step. And this is what pisses me off when men go, oh, women just fall in your lap. Like, no. I met this guy who connected me with this person who connected me with this. And this is the kickback of this. It might not be a financial kickback. It might be like, Hey buddy, I'll look after you for this. I'll let you like have my um, house for the weekend or this. There's a constantly value and exchange consistently going on, not just with the women, but with the men of like, what's the incentive and what's in it for them as well. 
Totally. I mean, when you read Dan's book, I think it's called The Setup, and that's what he did. He just set these things up, like, very methodically, very intelligently, like, all of these social connections, all of these, like, I'll scratch your back or scratch mine, here's money for this, here's that for that, and, like... It's like a business. You build, it's exactly, it's a business, right? And it's like, instead of passive income, you're creating passive social connections, right? You're getting mm. women passively in your life. That's why I call it farming, right? Because, like, you set all this stuff up, and essentially like you don't have to hunt anymore. You don't have to go chase the girl down in the Starbucks. You don't have to go on the damn, you know, dating app and message her and compete with all the other idiots. Right. It's like you create the setup and the girls funnel in and there's more than you can, more than you can eat when you have the yeah. harvest. Right. How, how did you do this for yourself then? That, that's what I'm curious about. So you had the, had the summer in Europe, but then like, how did mm-hmm. you set up this whole vibe? Like, because you pretty much before all this stuff in Ukraine that really went down recently, because we're doing this podcast in 2023. So before that happened, because you had to like leave Ukraine and then you set up your life again in America, but then you're married now. So things are different. But how did you as a single guy set up this incredible social life? Because I've seen the photos, man. It's just yeah. in- insanity. So I took everything that I learned and I basically kind of started from scratch. In in first, I was in Odessa. Um, met some cool guys there, and they convinced me to go to Kiev because, like, it's like it's the capital; it's way better. Um, and so, my plan was instead of like I was I wasn't even planning on like staying there, but like when I met this one dude, I just met him in a nightclub. You know, just started chatting him up, and he saw me approach a girl, and he was like, "Oh, this guy must be cool because he's like approaching girls, right?" And he was like. He also spoke English, so when he realized I spoke English too, it was rare to like meet English speakers. So he was fascinated by me already. And that's one of the beauties of traveling is it's so much easier to meet people because of these tiny connections that would never happen at home, yeah. right? Just by the fact that I spoke English, like this guy was like, oh, well, let me introduce myself to this guy because he seems cool. So I, I go to Kiev, um, I extended my trip and... I'm kind of doing the same thing. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hunting in Kiev essentially. Like, yeah. met this guy. We were going out to the clubs together. We were meeting girls. Um, I'm day gaming, and then I was like, I, I really like Kiev. I really like it here. I, I wonder if I could actually stay here. So, like, I booked uh, an Airbnb for longer, and then I started looking into like, oh, I wonder if I could get an Airbnb here because I kind of had that side hustle, like yeah. you know, like I mentioned before. Um, yeah. So I was like, yeah, it seems like a pretty good market to do that in. And yeah. I'm just going to like extend my trip as long as possible. So, and essentially what happened next was through that guy I met in Odessa, he was like, you got to meet this guy that I met on the beach. This guy came up to me when I was on the beach with my girl and he didn't come up, but he was kind of sitting on the side. He sent like three hot chicks over and asked us if we wanted to join his orgy later. And, you know, of course, I'm just like, uh, yeah, but, you know, my girl's like, ah, I don't know. Um, you know, so after that, like the guy comes over and introduces himself and he was like fat and bald, poorly dressed, but like his girls were really hot. So he, he was like, what's going on with this guy? Like, this is really interesting. So anyways, this guy invited, invited the other dude to a birthday party at the Intercontinental Hotel, which is actually where they shoot like a ton of the, anytime you see like an update from from Ukraine of like the big church, they're shooting it from that exact balcony, interestingly enough. Um, so I go to, so he invites me to this party, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, I met this guy, the crazy guy, I met in Odessa who propositioned me for the orgy. He's having a birthday party. We got to go because yeah. this guy seems crazy. 
And I'm like, well, dude, we should show up with girls because if we don't, we're going to look like idiots. And he's like, oh yeah, good point. Right. So I, I, that was one of the, obviously the things I learned from all my times, like don't show up empty handed to a party or you're not going to get invited back. Right. So, so we go, um, and you know, the, when I met, when I saw the guy, his name was Vitaly, um, and I have lots of funny stories about him, but when I saw him, I, I did what, you know, I knew I could do to basically like have a funny conversation. Like, so I had heard what happened. So I kind of like went over, started talking to him like, dude, I'm impressed with all these girls, blah, 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 blah. Like you seem like the man kind of just like stroking his ego. And he like busts out his phone. He starts showing me like photos of like four girls stacked on top of each other, like with their pussies out and like, you know, this orgy and that sex thing and this, that, and I'm just like, this is crazy. But then I showed him all my pictures of crazy stuff and we're bonding over the pictures, right? Just like as normal guys do. But I I didn't stay at that party too long because I could tell that like, because him and me and the other guys showed up and, you know, we brought a couple girls, but like, I was just like, I don't want to overstep my boundaries here. Mm. Um, So, so I left and slowly kind of developed a relationship with this guy um, while building my thing. And then later on, he invited me. So left Ukraine that summer, uh, came back to the US, but then he invited me to his birthday party. Mm -hmm. And he was like, we're doing, I'm I'm doing a birthday party. I've invited like 30 of my closest friends. Um, I want you to come. You can bring one guy, um, you know, show up to Kiev on this date, book your return ticket home four days later. So I didn't know what, what to expect. Um, we show up, we go to the train station. He had rented four train cars. We take the train from Kiev to Western Ukraine, um, like the mountain region. Uh, so we're, we're, he rented an entire like spa hotel mm-hmm. and there was like 120 women and like 30 dudes. And Whoa. it was so, like, what? So, the- so, so this guy's, so this guy's balling out as well. He's like, he's financially set and he's just like setting this all up through connections and like financial means, et cetera. Exactly. And he was very plugged in with like all the oligarchs and, you know, men of okay. extreme wealth and power. And like, there was a billionaire at that party. Um, so, you know, he, he invites me, you know, I, brought a buddy and I was like, this is insane. Did, this you, is did like, you bring women or you didn't need to? He's just like, you can just come. He's, you know, he said, don't bring women. Oh, um, wow, he's okay. like, we have too many. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this guy turned out, he, he bought the rights to shoot the playboy calendar of, of Ukraine and Eastern Europe. So he would essentially like girls would apply to be in the playboy calendar from all over Ukraine, Russia, you know, Hungary, Serbia, wherever. So his funnel of women was just insane, right? Because who doesn't want to be in Playboy? Just, just, just back up for a second, bro. Like the balls he has is like he's sitting there, fat as fuck, ball, not one fuck given, and sends these three women to go talk to your buddy and that woman. It's like, it's that level is just like, <laughs> dude. And this guy, anytime I was like out with him, cause like, you know, he invited me. So he had a bunch of girls living in his place too. You know, he had like two apartments. It was just filled with girls who would just like come and visit. But we went to dinner. This was even before the party. And he got up from the table. There was six girls at our table. He got up to like go hit on two random girls at another table. And I'm like, this guy's ridiculous. Like he's approaching girls in the restaurant when he's got six girls there. He was like insane, right? Like he would hit on everything that moved. He had so many girls, right? He like, he no approach anxiety didn't give a fuck like just how did he how did he maintain this just from your perspective because i'm just like saying like status and money but was there anything else that you really saw like that these women would stay around for or was it mainly just the status and that this man's confidence as well and who he was 
Well, they, they act like, even though he was unattractive and like, you know, bald, fat, short, um, he was, he was really funny. Right. And he, his inner game was fucking perfect. Like, you know, he, he told all the girls, he's like, you know, I was married, never going to do that again. I have, I have a bunch of wives. If you want to be another wife, that's great. Um, you know, like I'll take you on trips. I'll fly you around the world. You know, I'm only going to fuck you three times. And after that, I'll, I'll, I won't fuck you again. And that'll be that. So, and, and he lives by that rule. <laughs> three times <laughs> and they're out. Three times. But he, but he, they still like get all the benefits to like his, his universe. So a lot of girls can't stand him. A lot of girls think, think he's horrible. My, my wife can't stand him. Cause he's like, he's, you know, he's, he's kind of gross. He's like, he's touchy feely. He's, but like in that now that like, he's not there in Ukraine anymore and the whole war situation, like he's, you know, I feel bad for him because he's kind of fucked, but like he had mm. that setup over there and, and yeah, he was living the life. He was basically like living, he, he met with Dan Blazarian because Dan Blazarian was like jealous of, of him when he heard about his setup. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But how did he, and like long story short, how did he initially set that up? He made his money, but. Made a ton what? of money in, yeah. in like loan shark, like he had like a loan shark business, yep. you know, give you 200 bucks. You got to pay me back in, you know, three weeks sort of thing. And he yeah. had like hundreds of branches of these, of these offices all over Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, so he made tons of money, you know, in, in that financial sector. Um, you know, he had a, he, he's also a U.S. citizen. So he like, he's, he's, you know, came to New York. He had like a yacht in New York and Miami and, you know, just very wealthy real estate. Um, yeah. Yeah. There so, you go. Mm-hmm. And- Wow, man, what a what a story that is! So you went to this you went to this party and it was just so I go to this party. <laughs> I go to this party, um, and at the end of the party, you know, I I like you know PayPal'd him like fifteen hundred bucks, right, to like cover all the expenses. He he asked, he's like, it just PayPal me like a thousand bucks, right? And the, and I sent him like fifteen hundred because I'm like, dude, this was unbelievable. Let me give you a little bit extra. And he was like so thankful, and he's like, dude, you can't believe like you're like one of the only ones to actually chip in. Cause like there's these other oligarchs and they're like too rich. They're like even above paying. It's like, you can't even ask them to pay because they're like millionaires or billionaires. It's like, it'd be tacky to ask to pay, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And he was just like, so thankful that I came and like the guy I brought was really cool. And he's like, here's my problem. It's like, I have these guys, but they're like old and they're creepy and they're fucking weird. And like the girls don't like them. Like, I, I loved having you there. Do you have like more like cool guys like oh your my. age that are friends oh that like God. would come to these parties? And he's, cause he's like, I, it's, and that's the funny thing. It's like when you're in these high level social circles, the hardest thing to do is meet cool guys. You like, said that last time and that really hit me. I was like, what, what do you like? It makes sense though. Doesn't it? Well, think if, if, if you're a good looking, you know, have money, have, have like social skills, like most guys, you know, they're, they're wifed up or they get in a relationship. They're like off the market by yeah. their like early thirties. Yeah. But, and for every one of those guys, there's like a gazillion hot girls, right? Because for a guy to develop those social, those social skills, he needs a lot of time, five to 10 years in those environments. And by the time he's done with that, like he's probably has a hot wife and he's not going to be there. Whereas these girls, they develop social skills starting at age like 15, Right. Yeah. So like how often do you meet like a smoking hot 23 year old who's weird or creepy or awkward? Never. Yeah, like nah. a girl. They're, they're, right? so, Never. they're so in tune, man. Like the, the emotional yeah. intelligence is crazy compared to us, man. Exactly. So it's like, 
So guys think it's like, oh my God, like I have to compete with all these guys. It's like, actually you don't. Like when you're at that highest level, there's not a lot of competition. It's so hard for these girls to just to meet like a cool guy that has some money that's not a douchebag, right? It's like, it's, it's so, so rare. It's so crazy. And I'll, this just what I'm getting from this as well. And I really love this. It's like, you're not just meeting women. Most men just go, I'm going to go singularly just go to meet women. But yours is like, this might sound weird, but how can I go meet men? who totally. might have those connections. I'm like, that's when it's like, meet the men. They have the women. It's like, how many times, like even in marketing, just because I love like looking into some marketing stuff, like everyone's like, where's all the traffic? The traffic's already out there. Find people who have your traffic. It's the same stuff. So if you're finding these guys who already have all these women, but then you're giving them, you're not just going to, you're like, these guys like, give me a thousand bucks. You're like, I'll give you 1500 and then you've gone above and beyond. So you're like, you're giving value consistently. And maybe it's not just the money. It's the thought of you like, hey, I just want to go a little bit above and beyond. So then you're like ingrained in his head. And like, like how much value can you give to these men who are creating this? So you, they want to invite you back, et cetera. I'm sure that's was the totally. reasoning part of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. He was like, dude, it's it's like so cool to hang out with you. Like, it's so hard for me to meet, like, you know, because we're roughly the same age. Um, yeah. You know, he's like three years older than me. And he's like, you know, it's so hard to meet guys who are cool, who can like enjoy this lifestyle with me. Because um, most of these guys, like they're, you know, they're just, they're not, or they're like, you know, they're cheating on their wife and they're here at the party, but they're not actually single. And they're, you know, they're not like in this world. And he was like, listen, I'm putting together a trip to the Maldives. We're going to shoot the Playboy calendar. Um, the guy who was supposed to come, who paid for half the boat, he's having a kid. He can't make it. So mm -hmm. we've got a yacht. We've got 21 Playboy models coming. It's going to be me and you can bring the rest of the guys. And I was like, holy shit, this is fucking amazing. And, and you can just bring and the guys don't have to pay or they can just. Oh, no, we up. had to pay for like the other half of the boat. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. So it was like 60 grand for like the boat for a week. So yeah. this is a, this is a 150 foot yacht or, you know, 50 meter yacht, um, with nine, nine cabins, a crew of 10, um, Maldivian guys, right. So Indian yeah. style sort of guys. Um, and I'm like, why are you doing the trip in the Maldives? He's like, well, because a, a few reasons, one is an amazing place for like to shoot the playboy calendar Two. The, the boat and the crew is not like hot French guys with a hot captain. It's like these Maldivian guys who are like no competition whatsoever. So we don't have to worry about, you know, those guys like hooking up with the girls. The other thing that, that he did that was so genius at his birthday party, he had like a full band ensemble, like play in the train and play during the event. But those guys couldn't stay at the hotel because he knew all the all the girls would try to hook up with the musicians. So he made them stay at a different hotel. So this guy was like next it's all, it's all strategic, isn't it? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And he's like, control the environment, control the ratio. You're on yeah. a yacht. There's no nightclubs. There's no shopping. The girls don't, you know, can't go to the movies. It's like, you know, you're on a desert island, private island each day and then you're, you're on the boat and there's, there's nothing else. Right. And it's just like, you know, and he's like, even the, even the photographer, he's like, you can bring your own photographer because we need one obviously to shoot. And he's like, I'm a photographer so I can do it, but like bring someone else. So you probably have heard, you know, the story, but this is how I basically like brought the TNL guys into this. So I called James Marshall, who's a friend of mine, um, and Liam and, and Alex. And I'm like, Hey, you guys want to go to the Maldives with 21 Playboy models? And they're like, what? <laughs> what the fuck is this? Um, and like, I'll, you know, I'll, I, I, I'll think about it. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you know, we, we kind of like split the cost. It was, so it was like 30 grand split amongst like five guys. Right. Yeah. And crypto had gone up at the time. Yeah. So it was, 
it was a no brainer. It's peanuts. Yeah. Yeah. So that trip was like the most eye opening thing ever for me. Right. Cause like now, finally, I didn't have the highest status on the boat. Vitaly did. Right. However, yeah. I wasn't fat and bald and like grabby and touchy feely like him. I was like really socially yeah. adjusted and like, I took all the things that I learned from all these failures and I applied it on that week-long trip. Like it, it was like my greatest, I don't know, like execution of game ever. So <laughs> like the, the learning and the, what happened on that trip and like, you know, Liam and, and Alex who started Tilted later on, like that, that was the first unofficial Tilted trip. What's sorry? What's t- I don't even know what Tilted is. Tilted is like a bikini brand. Okay. Um, so like, you know, you Google like, uh, uh Instagram, like tilted official. Um, so yeah. what, what happened? So we kept doing these parties, right. And, yeah. and it just became stupid. Like my social life just became absolutely ridiculous because we, we, we do a party, we'd come back to Kiev. I would then know 20 hot girls that lived in Kiev and then I know all their friends. Right. Mm. And like, because I was, I had so much status. It was like the girls were competing over me. They were fighting for me. Like I never had to like chase a girl. I never had to like try to escalate. I just kind of picked at the end of the night, like just like these promoters were doing in LA. Like they would just kind of pick because the girls were fighting over them. And it's like, you know, mate choice copying, which is another way of saying pre-selection. Like if, if you're good enough for her hot friend, you're probably good enough for her. But if you're not, if you're friend zone with her, she's not going to bang you either. Right. So it just, be, it was like, you it was the, just you stupid. Flipped, you flipped the deck, you flipped the table upside down. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I moved to Kiev because like we were doing these parties and, and we were doing them consistently like every month. Um, well, and I and, did that you, for like- You and, you and TNL or? Me and Vitaly. Okay, you um, and Vitaly were doing the, the party. The TNL yeah. guys came, they yeah. were, you know, they came and they paid and, and they were like my, my biggest clients for a long time. Yeah. Um, and then, and then eventually when I got sick of doing the parties and, you know, eventually met my wife and wanted to get out of the whole thing, they kind of took it over and started yeah. tilted. Um, there you go. so, so yeah, I mean the, you know, for the next like two years living in, in Kiev before the war, this was basically 2019 and up mm. until 20, well, so it was, I was single from like tw- two years, 2019 through like up until the beginning of COVID yeah. and I just, you know, it, it, it was, it was, it was stupid. I crossed everything off my sexual bucket list, did everything I could possibly do. And I actually got to that point that Dan Blazarian talks about too. It's like, you know, after a while, it's just not that interesting. It's not that exciting anymore. It's like, yeah. you know, you can have a, a threesome in a commercial jetliner in, in the toilet with two hot girls and everyone, you know, watch It's like that stuff was fun. And then it's like, after a while, it just stops losing its luster. You drive a Ferrari 20 times. It's like not that cool anymore. And that's yeah. kind of what happened when it came to, to game, I also realized like a lot of the reason why I was doing it was for like validation from other guys or just, you know, valid. And it's like when, when I got all that validation, it really like lost its luster. Um, yeah. So I, I, I say that quite a bit, like how many times, cause like my book, when we re- released, it was called best you ever had. It's like mm-hmm. how many more times I'm sure you've had this a multitude of times. Like how many more times you need a woman to say you're amazing in the bedroom or, you gave her the most incredible orgasm. You hear that once, it's like, oh my God, you hear it twice. You're like, yeah, that's cool. Third time, like, it's just, of course, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. I heard this from 50 Cent. I read his book just recently. I really recommend. Have you, have you um, read 50 Cent's book? I haven't, but everyone's recommending uh, the, it. The, so. 50, the 50th law, he talks about like, yeah, the first time a guy held a gun to my face it was fucking frightening. The second time I was like, 
oh shit, that's not good. And the third time's like, oh yeah, just another day, you know? <laughs> so I was like, when I read this, like, oh, it's just perspective. It's all perspective. Totally. Yeah. It's like anything, right? It, uh, that's so fa- interesting. I have to read it. But I, um, I love, I just want to break this down and just back it up because I love this man because you kind of like went to Ukraine. You had no one, no connection. It's like you basically set up a business, not even just like your coaching business. It's like the business of meeting women. And you took it like that. And the most guys, the best guys I see with women, they actually take it really seriously in the respect of like, I'm going to work out a strategy and I'm going to work out what actually has to go down instead of going hoping and praying that a woman will fall on their laps. And then like you went through so much adversity and I just want to acknowledge you for that, brother. It's just really good to hear your um, experience. And then like you had these men and the um, tenacity, I'm sure also your financial background would have helped as well. Because a lot of men like you having that financial understanding of like setting up the Airbnbs and like, cool, I can work out dollars and numbers and then I can work out what's the best value exchange for these men and what's in it for the women. So it's a lot of like breaking down the the whole process, man, and much respect for that. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's, it is it is exactly like a business. And like, it's funny the way I approach it and I break this down, like whenever I coach my clients, it's like, first you do the hunting, Right. And, and you, you build up that capital, like you befriend a lot of girls. Don't try to bang them. Right. Just be their friend. If, if you've already done, if you're already good at hunting, like if you friend zone the girl, then like, she's gonna, she's probably going to be interested in you. But if you're the one who friend zoned her, then like, you don't have to escalate. She'll probably just show up to all your stuff because she likes you and she'll bring friends. Right. And eventually like, that sexual tension, like she'll be the one trying to like, you know, compete for you because you're rigging the deck, you're controlling the ratio. And it's like, you just use that pool of, of friends to get invited to cool stuff. And then you leverage those connections with other guys. So it's like, first you got to learn how to hunt and then you can take those strategies, learn to farm. And it's the same as setting up a business. And, and I didn't even do the Airbnb stuff until I had done all the other stuff. Like yeah. once I was like, you know, doing the parties and you in, in Ukraine and kind of living there, I was like, oh, I should probably get an apartment here, see if Airbnb works. And then I signed, you know, I had my background in doing that in the States as a side hustle mm. and effectively turned that into another side hustle in Kiev. Um, so by the time like the war started, I had mentioned to you on, you know, when we talked the other day, I had like 16 properties in Kiev that I was just, you know, renting out to tourists. And I, I specialized in like big places where, you know, essentially like dudes who, who could come on bachelor parties and rent them out. But this, I took the same exact approach to building that business as I did to building, you know, the, the social funnel of women, yeah. you could say. So yeah. because then the correlations is, is cool. Isn't it the same as finance because you're in the finance game, like you're first, you're like, you learn how to get the money, then you learn how to like getting the money is one thing, but then also when you get the money, how can you keep it? But then you, how can you grow that? So it's like the same things like, how can I get money? How can I keep women around? But then how can I grow that? So it's like a whole process consistently, but most guys are like, I just want to grow, but I'm like, hang on a second. You don't deserve to grow. Like this is like a D martini thing with wealth that I learned. It's like first you, um, first you save, then you invest, then you speculate. Not that this is a financial podcast at all, but at the same time, how many people go straight to speculation you would have seen in your game, then they lose all their cash. Where it's like, okay, I want to go straight to farming. It's like, hang on a second. There's so many fundamental skills that you learn from going out there hunting. But then like you do have to make that transition with what you're saying of going into the farming mentality because if you're bringing farming into hunting, then you're fucked. Or if you're bringing farming in or hunting into farming, it's the same thing. Like I'm going to sit back and wait for a woman to come to me. It's like, 
hang on a second, buddy, you don't have that social status. And why would right. you rock up to you essentially in the club if you're just like there by yourself with your little soda pop and you're wearing your shitty fucking jeans from 1923, <laughs> you know? Totally. Yeah, man. Like it's it's all the same stuff, you know. It, it's so interesting, like all the crossovers. Um, so many. The, the best part of it was so I, my favorite thing of the whole of of my whole experience there is I'd bring guys to like boot camps in Kiev and I'd like plug them into my social circle and I would only take my most advanced clients because if I brought someone who who wasn't advanced, like they would, you know, they couldn't handle it. They would they would they would be like I, I let one guy come by mistake who I thought was good enough. Um, but he had a terrible time because he was like surrounded by hot girls, like, you know, in my social circle, amazing, like club experiences, house party experiences. Like it took him to like a sauna where all the girls were just like running around naked and like orgies and shit. And this guy like couldn't do anything because he was so nervous and scared and awkward. So he had like a terrible time, but yeah. like, I really enjoyed running those seminars and boot camps there. Um, it, it was, it was fucking amazing. Unfortunately, the war kind of shut all that down. But luckily I had, you know, I, I had met, like I said, I got kind of sick of the whole thing, um, bored of it. And I really just wanted to kind of focus on a new stage of life. I was turning 40, um, you know, and I come from, I'm 41 now, but like back then. Yeah. Um, damn, you've definitely uh, lived. I didn't know you were 41, man. You look, you look good for your age, brother. Like, thanks man. I'm thinking about 35 because I'm only, yeah, no, the Botox is working. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. So yeah, I mean, I I like I, I saw but myself did, kind of. When did you know? That's what I want to know. When did you know that this was your wife? And like, since you're living such that lifestyle, does do you feel like that creeps into your to your life now? Thinking, oh, maybe I want to go back to doing that, or you go, you know what? I've lived a great life doing that, and I feel that's complete. And I really appreciate the past I've had. Now I've got this incredible wife. Or do you still feel like you wavering back and forward a little bit? Oh no, I am so like happily married and monogamous and my desire to do anything besides like grow my business and golf is virtually zero. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, I mean, it's like, I was so done with that stuff. And that was, that was kind of the, eventually the, the last little sort of problem I had was I had cultivated this, this scene of like crazy party girls right and 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 models and girls who wanted to come on these trips and go to these parties it's you know so of course when you you're filtering for hot which is what you have to do but then you have to filter for amazing personality and depth and all the things that you want in a partner trustworthiness right and yeah. it was pretty strategic actually how i met my wife this this is a cool little story so i was fed up with just like you know some of these girls like i never i never got, like made the mistake of like committing to any of these girls. I could see the red flags from a mile away. I'd be like, all right, she banged me and then she banged this guy. Or I know she's like, you know, a sugar dad baby on the side or she's doing this or she's getting flown around. Like I'd go to Mykonos, I'd go to like the hot spots. I'd see, you know, it's like if you follow Super Snake on Instagram, he's the, the guy who like makes fun of like the jet setting, sugar baby, sugar daddy, like lifestyle. Uh, all, all, you, you go to Ibiza, you go to Mykonos, you go to like, you know, yeah. Cannes Film Festival, you go to... All these big things. It's like the 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 richest of the rich, the the celebrities, Leo, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio, and like that whole world, right? So this guy's super snake. Wait, just, he makes just, fun of that. Wait, just just on a second, did you ever study any of Leonardo DiCaprio stuff or how he was doing it? Um, I never like studied it, but I kind of knew what he was doing. I guess. You could okay, say. cool. What, yeah, just, did you? No, I didn't, man. Like, what what was he doing in, in short? So essentially, he just like would if, if you look at his like past 
girlfriends, he as soon as they turn like twenty four or twenty five, he dumps them. Right. Yeah. So he's got like and he's he's always like, you know, I'd see him out in the clubs in LA like back in the day. He's like, you know, he's the biggest playboy ever. So he's he's out when he's single. He, you know, he has his his fun of the single life for a few months and then he like starts dating like the hottest girl in LA. And then they're like a thing for like, you know, six months to a year and a half. And then she turns 24 and he dumps her. And he's done this for like 15 years or something. Wow. <laughs> it's crazy. Right. And yeah. he's like, you know, he's just decided that like, that's what he wants until at a certain point when he won't anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, at least he's clear. No, I haven't studied him, but yeah, sorry. But I just wanted to like see if you knew something about that. But yeah, back to the story about like how you met your wife. I'm curious about that one. Well, yeah. So my problem was, it was like, I kept meeting really hot girls, but like the ones, the the ones who I felt like were actually like dateable or wife material, like, you know, I dated this one girl from Russia who was really cool, but we had a language barrier issue because she spoke like zero English. Um, so that was another challenge, like finding a girl who was like, like a girl I could take home to like the U S and like meet my family and like, yeah one, it didn't want to like stay in that like party fast lifestyle, right? That was kind of the challenge. And that's a challenge for any guy that, that, that has this sort of, you know, social status scene. It's like, if you do want to leave that lifestyle, you also have to find a girl that kind of wants the same thing. And that's not easy to find, right? Yeah. Like no matter, no matter what you're doing, like you're looking for someone to leave a lifestyle, like it's very difficult to find just from the sheer numbers of it. Um, mm -hmm. But one thing that I realized I was doing, and this was still kind of like a validation thing, it's like when when there was like a new hot girl, like she, if she wanted to have sex, a lot of the time I would, and then I'd kind of regret it because she would get attached. And then, mm -hmm. you know, they would want a relationship and they realized they couldn't have it with me because I was just this playboy. And like, they they knew, right? But like, I, I, I was kind of feeling bad after a while of just like, that essence, doing of this, hope, that essence of hope because you're like the most high value guy or one of the, uh, and then you're like, I actually know it's like, well, why not? <laughs> right. Right. So I remember I, I kind of had a turning point and I was like, there's this one girl who she, she was young. She was like 18, very educated. She ended up at one of the parties and she was like a total fish out of water. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause like these parties were crazy. Like we did all sorts of crazy shit, like spin the bottle, crazy games. Like, you know, it was like, it was party people. Right. Um, but she was totally like a fish out of water and, and she looked like actually scared. So mm. I like took her aside. I'm like, yo, there's a lot of like crazy people here. Like, you know, just just stay by me. I'm not going to try to fuck you. Like, you'll be cool. Like if the other guys try to like, you know, hook up with you, just say you hooked up with me. We won't hook up. So I like totally befriended this girl and I, I kind of did it knowing that hopefully she had other like hot, smart, sophisticated friends. Cause her English was also perfect. Yeah. And, you know, I knew she came from a good family in Kiev. And sure enough, after like, you know, so she, she had a great time at the party, just kind of hanging with me. How, and then how did she get there? Was she a model and she knew these other models or she was exactly. just... Exactly. Okay. Yep. Yeah, cool. So those girls would come every, you know, every once in a while, right? You'd cool. get, you'd get out of 10 girls, you'd get like seven, like, you know, just Instagram thoughts who want to be in Playboy, right? Yeah. And then you'd get like two... Uh, you know, like hot girls who were cheating on their boyfriends or something. And then you get yeah. like one, like really like, you know, good girlfriend material sort of girl, maybe less yeah. than one out of 10, maybe more like one out of 50. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, eventually, um, you know, I just remained friends with this girl and, you know, she, she was giving me a lot of signals. Like she wanted to hook up, but I was, I was like, no, I don't want to do it. Like, I don't want to, cause I know what was going to happen. I knew that, you know, she would, 
get invested and it would just end up shitty. And I like had so many other options. I just didn't need to do that. And then when COVID started, um, she actually, uh, it, was, it was funny because the day I was diagnosed with COVID, um, I get a call. So well, COVID started, then I got COVID. Wow. But then yeah. I get a call from 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 her. Um, yeah. and, and she's like, hey, I'm with my friend Maria. We want to come over to your place and smoke shisha. Mm-hmm. Hookah, Kalyan is very popular there. And yeah. I'm like, well, you guys can come over, but I just got COVID. So you probably don't want to do that. And they're like, oh, we're not afraid of COVID. We'll come over. I'm like, okay. So she walks in the door with her friend Maria. And when Maria walked in, I'm like, holy shit, that girl's like my flavor. She is my type. Um, very similar to this girl, Anya, like beautiful, intelligent, spoke, spoke great English, found out she was like the valedictorian of her like high school in Zaporozhye, which is in Eastern Ukraine. Yeah. And like, she knew who I was and she knew I had like this reputation as this total like fuckboy player. And she was coming to tell Anya to stop hanging out with me. That was the funny part. She's like, I, she's like, I want to, you know, you should not hang out with this guy. He's a dick. He's bad. And Anya's like, no, trust me. He's really cool. He's really awesome. He's not like that. Cause like you develop a reputation, right? Girls talk. And if you've constantly got 10, 20 women around you at a time and you go into the clubs and you're really well known and you're the a Western guy in Ukraine, especially like how many guys are doing living the lifestyle you've got, man. Exactly. And so it's like, you're, you're going to develop a reputation no matter what. And all press is good press. And that's what I tell my clients. They're like, well, you know, I, I want to have this lifestyle, but I also want a really good girl. So I don't want to be like a mm. player. I'm like, dude, you don't get it. Like status is status. It doesn't matter if they're talking negatively or positively, you still have that status. And yeah. even though she might not like you, she'll still fuck you. And once she fucks you, then she'll probably decide if she actually likes you or not, right? Yeah, like, how, how many times have you had that, man? I've had like a lot of women, I'm sure you have as well, they go, I didn't like you when I met you, but then they fuck you in it because they might not like you, but then they respect you because of the status we're talking about, correct? Exactly, and and most guys get this wrong. Like, I can't tell you how many like engineers are like, I did all the things, I went to school, I got my degree, I got a nice car, I have a nice house, I make 150000 a year. Like, I'm a good guy and I keep getting passed over for like Joey the bartender, and they're like, what the fuck? This guy can't even spell like his name. And he's like fucking these girls. And I'm like, well, he has emotional intelligence. He invested in like how to be cool and how to like start a conversation. Yeah. And like, he doesn't give a shit. And he knows like when the girl's like, should I go out with, you know, the engineering nerd or should I fuck the bartender? It's like, well, the bartender's cool. He doesn't care. He's not going to judge me, whatever. I'm going to fuck him. Right. And so it's like, it creates so much like dissonance in those guys' yeah. heads. Yeah. And it's like, that's what happens. It's like, again, that pre-selection, that status is what gets you the girls. 100%. So, you know, it didn't matter that she thought I was, you know, gross and like a, a player and, you know, but eventually, of course, like after hanging out with me enough time, she was like, okay, this guy's actually awesome. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, when, and I was, I was looking for, you know, to get out of the game essentially. So she, you know, she had no interest in the party scene. She didn't want to go on any of the trips. You know, she couldn't stand like that whole world. She couldn't stand any of my, my friends in that world. And I was like, great, let's, let's fucking pack it up. So I was going to move to the U S anyways with her, but then yeah. the war started. Um, and we, you know, we fled before that we kind of saw it coming. Oh, uh, we were waiting good. for her visa. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're here in LA now and um, you know, I still have my place in, in Ukraine and we would eventually, I think we'll kind of go back and, and do the not bi-coastal, but bi-continental living. But yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm very happy. Like I said, to, 
you know, I, I love like talking about this stuff and helping my clients set up these social circles. And like, I, I still get to live vicariously through all my clients and, yeah. and, you know, see all the fun that they're having, but it, it, I have no desire for any of that, which I'm very happy for. <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. And I hear what you're saying as well. Like, it gets to a point where you're like, why am I doing this? And in short, man, similar with the sex parties that I was running, I only did half a dozen. And I'm like, for me, I'm not, I know you did a lot more stuff and a lot more events. I just got to a point where I'm like, why am I doing this? That's why I've been transitioning a lot more into more of the dominance and then the masculinity, still teaching sex. Like, here you go. I tell guys, like, if you want to learn all this sex stuff, it's on YouTube pretty much, or it's like basically for $400 and you can learn all the techniques with 500 plus videos. It's all there, man. Like, for me, it's just like teaching, uh, here to, here's how to make another woman squirt or do that. It's like, for me, it's boring because, like, when, as you said, once you do it over and over, I think there's that saying as well. If you have like the creme de la creme, like steak every night, you sometimes just want to have that cheeseburger kind of vibe. And I was like, uh, but I'm just so satisfied with like where it's at. It's just like evolutions. But sometimes that's why I asked you the question, even for myself, just to hear where you're at and how satisfied you are in your relationship with your wife. Because there have been times where I'm like, ah, uh, maybe I can do that again. But then when I have this conversation, I'm more seeing this as a really cool story that you've just told. And I'm like really happy for you, bro, about your evolution and the craziness and the journey. And like you lived it and now you can teach your clients and like how you met your wife and how you're just so assured in like what you want to do. And this is why I don't like when people are out there going, you shouldn't live that life. You should just go be married and find a person. Like, no, what the do what the fuck you want. Like if you have the itch, you know, it's like Scratch the fucking itch because you can, right? It's like I saw a a documentary of Hugh Hefner like in 2017. I think it was called like the American Playboy. And I was totally like, I was like, holy shit, I feel like I can do that and I'm going to fucking do it just because why not? Like Mm. I'm on this planet. If I don't do it, I'm always going to regret not doing it. Like I'm going to fucking do it. And like it was so inspiring that like he set up that, you know, that whole thing. Um so it, it was you, like, why, like, you can do, do it. If, if you, you, yeah. Exactly. If you want to, you can. And like, if you want to set up, go to Robbie. Like, Robbie will can get this sorted with you. And I can talk more about the sex party aspect, but this isn't about me today. It's just really good to hear, like, Robbie and you, like, your journey of that, bro, because it's just inspiring to go, yeah, you're right. Guys, like, is this possible? It's like, I stopped running the parties because I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I see so much more depth and meaning for me actually teaching men through the journey. And then I can see like, cool, I've got my wife. It's like the depth and meaning and living through these men. It's like you go through phases and I got so attached. I'm like, I still have to be in this completely to be able to like take guys through. So I'm like, how many times guys will ask me, can you help me set up sex? I'm like, I don't want to. Like, I just mm-hmm. don't. Like, go listen to my podcast. I'm like, or well, whatever that is about. And just seeing your transition, bro. And I didn't realize you're 41 as well. And <laughs> I'm still a baby brother. Like, that's crazy. How old are you, man? 32. That's- oh, wow, dude. Yeah. It's impressive what you've built at that age. That's, yeah. that's insane. But it's it's just really great to hear your story, man. And just like really appreciate how like you just went so deep into it. And you're like, Robbie, I said, it's so funny. We were talking the other day. I'm like, what do you do these days? Like, got a great wife, man. Like working on my business and... I'm playing golf. I'm like, that's not my thing, but I, I'm glad you enjoy your golf. <laughs> she, so I, I played golf in, in university, you know, almost good enough to go pro. And what then like kind fuck? of, yeah, I hung up the clubs, you know, like, cause I realized it wasn't good enough. Um, but when I, you know, 
when I met my my wife, like I, I taught her to play and she got addicted to it, hooked, because that's what happens with golf. It's like one of the most addicting sports because it's so challenging and you're out in nature and it's like beautiful and it's like, it's really hard to, when you look at golf, you watch it on TV, you're like, that looks boring. But when you actually play, you're like, oh fuck, this is fun, especially after like the second or third time. And so once, like she be, she's, she's more into golf than I am almost. So <laughs> like, it, it's great. We just golf together, so. <laughs> Dude, what a what a beautiful life, bro. And is there anything else you want to share with the guys? And thank you for all your wisdom today and all the in-depth stories because it's just, for me, the biggest takeaway I've seen, it's just the strategy and the detail behind it. And I've seen when you've set it up with my with the guy I was working with and I know you worked in-depth with him with Kay and a few other people. Like You just go so detailed analysis of like how to build this lifestyle and you've taken out all the guesswork and it's like, Here's the process. Yes, it's 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 easy, but it's like it's like so it's like it's it's gonna be it's not gonna be it's gonna be a simple process because you know it, but it's not gonna be easy. You still have to go through the emotional journey. But I see like you can take these guys through the emotional journey. What happens if a woman gets jealous? What happens if she says this? What happens if that happens? What happens if you feel like, oh my god, you wanted that woman that night? She went with another man. What happens if your status isn't as high? So you, I see men still have to focus and deal with that for themselves, but then you can go, no, this is all part of it, and you can guide them. This is the yeah. fucking step. Well, that's what I love doing. Like when I work with Kay, and and it's like I get to work so close with these guys. We talk about the individual girls, and like, is she is she a good fit? Like, what about this wingman? What like? let's get your party schedule worked out. Like there's this party that funnels into that party that funnels into this movie night, which funnels into this like small event. It's like, there's a very detailed strategy on how to set up this sort of like social funnel that I call it. Right. And then there's the Instagram strategy that goes hand in hand with that, of course. And like all these networks and these friends and it, I really love because I work with guys like very closely to kind of set all that up. And, you know, we go over everything, all the fine details. And it's, it's a lot of fun for me because I get to do it without having to like be there. <laughs> so, so and good. occasionally we even like, we, we did this for one of the guys in, in Austin, Texas, um, a few months ago, he was like, you know, I'd helped him set this whole thing up virtually. And then he was like, well, I want you to come into my party. So I'm like, well, let's just put together a little like immersion. So I had all my other guys that were like, also like a little bit, a little bit, um, less for far along in the process. I'm like, let's go to Austin. Let's help him sort of set up this party. Let's do that for like a long weekend yeah. and like learn all the intricacies about this. So that's a lot of fun for me too. So yeah. And then also you're helping them screen the guys of like what kind of caliber is the guys? How do you meet those promoters of the guys to get you in? How to like set up the value exchange in perfect synchrony there. I can just I can just see it all man. It's just beautiful. Like it's such a symphony. It like it really is. <laughs> Thanks man. Yeah, you know the, the hard part for guys is they're like, oh well Robbie did it. He had that Airbnb and the real estate thing and I don't have that. I'm like it doesn't matter. Every Everyone is going to find their shtick, what I like to call it. Like maybe for you, for example, it was the sex parties. Like that, that was like your sort of inroad into your sort of own, like your own special sauce of doing this. And every guy has that, like that shtick or that special sauce. And you just have to figure out what that is. That like female relevant angle, like with Kay, you know, he has a modeling agency. Um, so it's like, even if you don't have that, there's like so many ways that you can leverage what you're doing. It may not be your main job, or you yeah. can kind of start something on the side to make that happen. So that's yeah. another thing I like to figure out with guys. It's all the psychology as well. How like like how the men talk to the women and how the conversation and then how that you can like 
um, have this chat with the women about like how they can chat to their friends and then mitigating certain risk. If they're nervous to coming to an event, then what you can say to the woman that she can tell her friends instead of you going directly to the friends and not be needy, all this stuff. Like basically we, in short, man, we had a big house that I was living at with two other guys and we're just going, let's bring women together. And then I found other really cool guys who were really good with women that bring a few women. It was really simple like that, but then it's also the dynamics and setting that up, how they'd come and things like this. And people would feel comfortable. It's just, it's just the whole, it seems very similar, but yours was very much more high level, man. I did this like, I said half a dozen times. I'm like, I don't see my life going down that route, but I'm like, I know easily how to set this up if I wanted to again. And that's, that's the thing. It's just like, cool. I've got that. But guys think it's this huge thing. It's out of their reality. But I think what I've got a lot from this podcast as well, man, just like from you, it's like how easy and possible it is to take it to that next level and also how much there's actually really there's men out there who want to do this and money's not just the only thing like money is important to like be able to like have that like a bit of status like that to be able to financially do this but the financial means for it but then there's also so much intricacies with the women and the dynamics and then i love how you broke down like yes it is financial because some guys like no you can just set it up without that no when you get to these levels you need to like what is the value for the women in this so yeah i even got so much out of that man and even though i'm not like so (laughs) drawn to doing this at the moment but if i ever do i'll you'll be the first person i'll hit up and i go how can i do this and in saying that for any man watching this, what's the best way that they can hit you up if they want to set set up this lifestyle? As I said, this is a bit more of an advanced podcast, but I'm so grateful that we had this conversation today, brother. Yeah, man. Likewise. Um, yeah, if you're watching this and you know you want to see if it's a good fit to work with me, um, you just go to start.innerconfidence.com and um, you know you can book a time with me and we'll kick the tires and. I, I go very in depth on those calls to make sure like, cause there's, there's a lot to, to talk about, of course. Um, but, uh, but yeah, go on over there. I'm sure there's a link somewhere where you're, where you're listening or watching this and jump on a call. We'll see if it's a good fit. Yeah. Is there anything else they can check out? I know you have a lot. Oh, also Robbie has an incredible podcast. You can go check that out as well. So oh, thanks, man. Yeah. My podcast is called the inner confidence podcast. So you know, you've been on there, you're coming back on. I'm really excited for that conversation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're 240 something episodes in. So that's, yeah. uh, that's fun to listen to as well. I got one last question for you. I don't, I, I don't like the questions where people are like, well, if you were going to die tomorrow, what would you do? No, not at all. Like <laughs> <laughs> I got a last question. What would you say to yourself now, starting back on this journey and realizing all the crazy experiences that you ever wish to happen. But then when you're starting off at that skinny, like, no, sorry, the, the chubby fat guy <laughs> wearing shit clothes going, this would never happen. And imagine someone's like listening to this in the similar position. What would you say to yourself? But inevitably you're saying to him. Yeah, I love that question. Um, it's like, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, it's like, I, I can't tell you how often guys come to me and they're like, I feel like something is just broken like girls just like don't see my value I get passed over it's like the only reason that's happening is because like you don't understand how these psychological concepts work and our society is designed to make you not understand them like everything is set up for you to like go to school get a good job like excel all the things that make you like like successful financially successful with your career like getting good grades none of that shit translates to girls none of it 
It's like the opposite translates. Like the guy with the 130 IQ has just as good of a chance of getting laid as the guy with like the 80 IQ, right? Mm-hmm. Even even worse than the guy with the 80 IQ because the 80 IQ like doesn't worry about like getting his degree in astrophysics. He's just like, oh, I'm going to watch this movie of like, you know, this fight club guy and just act like that guy. What up, girl? And he gets laid, right? So it's like, Everything you've done to be successful, if you're like banging your head against the wall and being like, why the fuck am I not getting success with women that I deserve? It's just because you haven't been like trained in the right way. Like you don't understand these concepts and, and it's like, it's it's not your fault that you don't understand that shit. You know, it's like, you just haven't had the right mentor or you got caught up in the pickup shit like I did, or you went down the red pill fucking rabbit hole. Um, you know, I'm guessing guys that are listening to this, obviously they found you. So that's amazing. And they're, you know, they might not be in that, in that boat, but it's just like, even you're, you're gonna always kind of like at each step of the, of the journey for me, like I, I, even when I was like, good, I hit those, those like rock bottom points where I'm like, why am I fucking doing any of this? Mm. And it's just so hard sometimes to like see the forest from the trees. And that's why like getting help, getting, getting, having a good mentor, having a good coach, like doing this shit on your own. Like I never could do any of it on my own. Like I, I, I went from, you know, one bad mentor to another bad mentor and then I found a good one and then I had another bad one and then I had a good one. It's like, that was kind of my key yeah. is like always getting support. And that's what I would say. It's like, if you get stuck, just, it's not your fucking fault. You're not broken. Everything's, you know, like a lot of the guys I work with, they've, they've done tons of therapy and it's like, I thought therapy would fix me. It's like, no, therapy is not going to teach you like these social dynamics. Like you have to like, if you went through the school of like getting good grades, like you didn't learn this shit. Like the promoter learned this shit when he didn't go to class, right? When he was yeah. selling drugs, the drug dealer learned this shit. You didn't learn it and now you're successful. And that's kind of why. And I was the same way. I was like, why am I getting, not getting the women that I deserve? I'm fucking smart. I got my you know degree. And it's just like, no, <laughs> you just, you didn't invest the social time that you have to. It's like, you got to pay the piper. Yeah. I agree. You can do this by yourself. It'll take a lot longer. And thank you for going on that journey. Thank you for doing it for yourself. And just so other men can go through this step-by-step process now. And it's, yeah, it's really a blessing to have you here, dude, because just I can see similar things in my journey to your journey and just um, the man who you always show up, man. You've just been always like, hey, this is what's up. This is how I roll. And, and I'm, yeah, it's great to have men like you because like, I don't like, how out there there's people just like i just want to be married and that's it like if you want to do that fucking great but there are a ton of men who just go i want to like live that lifestyle of being having lots of women this is why we have two aspects and this is more this podcast has been for today for men who want to be the best she's ever had inside the bedroom like learn all the stuff and like fulfill all your sexual desires and fantasies and do all this stuff and have really hot women around you consistently and then we turn, but then we start moving towards like the powerful masculine leader inside and outside the bedroom. But then like you've kind of combined both because you're like that powerful masculine leader, but you're like, hey, you can do this. But then I got married. It's like, it's like, it's so much the culmination of everything, bro. And it's just good to hear that you can have whatever you want, your beautiful wife, or you want to live the life lifestyle of multiple women. It's all up to you. And I know you have the goods and I really appreciate as well, like all the work you've done with the men who we've worked with together and just like how much you've impacted their life so if you want to contact robbie you in you know, go check out the links wherever wherever they are below and then also you can even get in contact with me and i'll put you in direct contact with this man because he's truly incredible and it's it's an um deeply it's an honor bro and thank you for doing dude, the work dude. you do 
it's an honor to I'm I'm so grateful you invited me on and like you're you know maybe my favorite guy to talk to in this whole like the podcasts we've done together are like this is the most fun I've had doing a podcast maybe ever so oh, really like, cool. yeah man I I pre- you're so authentic you're like you know I have a man crush so <laughs> all, all, <laughs> all the guys listening uh, no dude you, I, I love what you're doing I love your approach to this stuff it's it's so awesome to like reconnect and thank you so much for having me on awesome Robbie appreciate you man and to all the guys listening. I like what you said as well. You're not fucked up and you're not broken and there is hope and oh my God, there is a beautiful life that awaits you if you take that jump and take that leap. Till next time.